Welcome everybody to the sixth episode of the Daniel Teaches Experience. My name is Daniel. I'm very happy to be here. The three topics that we're going to be going over today are why do people get nervous when presenting? The difference between getting inspired and getting jealous. And finally, the James Lang theory, how your physiological response can trigger your emotions. So to begin, my friends, I know ever since I was young, whether it be, you know, seven, eight years old to even 16, 17 years old, Whenever the topic of presentation came around, people did not feel good. People felt sick in their stomach. People felt uneasy. People felt like they wanted to throw up, like you would get lightheaded, even pale skin. I mean, people were just, it was this idea of going up in front of your peers and presenting something was absolutely terrifying, you know? And um, I was someone who wasn't, I wasn't very, very nervous around uh, presenting, but I could compare to, for example, I had a big fear of heights back in the day. And I could see that many of the symptoms that I would get when I was on a, you know, on a ledge, when I was on top of a cliff, when I was about to go on a roller coaster, that kind of, those knots in your stomach, that's what a lot of my classmates were having when they were presenting. So I started thinking, and I thought, well, okay, let's break down, what is a presentation? Well, what are the factors involved? So there's usually, when we're talking about a power imbalance, who has the power when you're presenting? In my opinion, the person who has the power is the person who's on stage. They're the person who has the spotlight on them, the person with the microphone, they're the ones who are what's the word, uh, conducting the energy in the room, right? With the terminology they want to use, the kind of atmosphere that they're trying to push, whatever their speech is about. Who is the audience? Everybody who's sitting in front of them. What kind of audience can we have? They can be your peers. They can be people younger than you. They can be people much more uh, older than you with much more qualifications. They can be your teachers. They can be your supervisors, whatever. Now, my friends, why do people not look at presentations just as talking out loud to a bunch of people? For example, if you were to take someone who gets really, really nervous when, when presenting, right? And, and, and I'm literally just doing this off the top of my head. And if you were to say, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to go into a room and in that room is going to be your best friend. Your best friend who you've known for years. I just want you to go explain this topic to them. And I wouldn't even use the word present. I'd just be like, yo, like literally just explain this topic to them. But um, like, yeah, yeah, just both go sit down. So now you go into a classroom, you and your friend are both sitting down. And you literally just explain and talk to them. You're, you're joking back and forth. You're going to get off topic because they're your best friend. You make inside jokes. I'd say great. Now try this. Next week, do the same thing. But this time, instead of just sitting there with your best friend, I want your best friend to go sit in the middle of the classroom. And I want you to stand up. Like stand up. Like be, be what's the word? I want there to be a power imbalance in the sense of height. I want you to look down. on them. So they're going to be sitting down. You're going to be standing. There you go, do that, nine times out of 10. Easy, why? That's your best friend, you're comfortable and you know each other. Now I want you to do the same thing with a close group of friends. This could be three or four people that you and your best friend usually hang out with. Again, they're sitting down in their chairs, you're up there, I don't even say that we're presenting. I would just say, hey, just can you go explain this topic to them? Like, can you go explain, um, you know, I don't know, how muscle reaction works? Can you go explain how, you know, what are the benefits of a savings account? Whatever it may be. And you go up and you, you know, explain this topic or this idea towards your three or four close friends. Now, my question is, at what point are the nervous levels going to increase dramatically? Because the next step after this would be, I want you to do the same thing, except instead of just being your close friends, I want it to be a bunch of acquaintances, people who you've seen uh, in classes, people who've walked past you, so they're familiar faces, but you're on uh, like, hello, how are you terms? You know, you don't go in depth. It's, they're strangers, basically. Um, let's say you have 10, 15 of them in the room. Is the biggest increase going to be from 
going from your best friend to just three or four close friends? Or is it going to be from your close friends to people who um, are more acquaintances? And I could see arguments from both sides. If you want to argue the first side saying, Daniel, I think it'll be more stressful stage going from one best friend to a couple of close friends is because it is one-on-one. You only have one person to worry about. You only have one person to have eye contact with and they're your best friend. Chances are you're extremely comfortable. They've seen you in your most embarrassing moments. There's nothing to worry about. Whereas now when you have three or four of your close friends, even though they're close, they're not, you're like in that best friend category. And what happens is just going from one to three or four people and knowing that there's multiple eyes on you, maybe that would trigger some feelings of nervousness, some symptoms of feeling sick. Now, an argument for the other side going, no, actually, I think it's from going from three or four close friends to 10 or 15 acquaintances is at least your close friends know you. You can ask them to describe you. Hey, man, what's Daniel like? And they can name a couple of adjectives, a couple of describing words and say, hey, this is what this guy's about. Now, when you bring acquaintances who are basically on first name basis, right? They just basically are forming their first impression about you. What are the chances that the anxiety level increases, the nervousness increases because you're still on that first impression basis and there's this extra added pressure of, I don't want to screw up in front of them. I don't want to stutter. I don't want to say something stupid. Like my close friends know me. My best friend knows me. If I stutter, they know who I am. It's not a big deal. But all of a sudden in these acquaintances, you know, they don't know who I am. I want to make a good first impression. I want to come off good. And that, that maybe, you know, so not only are there a bunch of eyes on you, but it's, they don't know me yet. And this is my first impression. This is my, hi, how are you? I'm Daniel. When I'm up there speaking and presenting and explaining this topic. Furthermore, let's say there's someone in there in that acquaintance who you're attracted to, who you're possibly interested in going out with. So now emotions are extremely high because you really want to come off on the right foot and come off as attractive and, and hopefully things go smoothly and they'll like you because if you, you know, God forbid you stutter on stage, it's over then, they're immediately not interested. So I think those are definitely pieces and bits that come into play. I think fearing other people's judgments is, is one of the cripplers in our society. I think we are, we are so, we put so much emphasis on what other people think what they're going to take away from it, that it, it hurts us a lot. The way people look at us, it could be even two people are talking to each other far away you're, while you're explaining this topic and they whisper to each other and one of them laughs. There's a chance many individuals in the back of your head, are, you're going to go, are they speaking about me? Did they, did they just make a joke about me? What is it? Is it, is it my teeth? Is it, is it my shirt? Is it, did I stutter? Did I say something? Right? And then when you start to think like that, that's when it starts to go downhill. And the individual by the, same of, uh, by the name of John C. Maxwell said, at what point did we start to put more confidence in other people's opinions than in our own? Because if you think about it, you know, when we take, when we dissect the word presenting, it's, hey, you're going to explain something to a group of people. What if we say, hey, you're just going to explain something to one person? What if you don't have to stand? What if you can just sit down and just be like face to face? Isn't that easier? But all of a sudden, for whatever reason, when you get someone and now they're, they're standing on stage and now you have the power and balance, you have the faces looking up at you. It's not just your close friends, but it's a bunch of acquaintances. It's a bunch of strangers, people who you've never met. Now when you have to present, it can get scary, right? Again, fear of judgment, fear of, of messing up in front of people. The idea of first impressions, you know, if you have someone you're attracted to in the crowd, in the audience, now that's huge because you want to come off as good, as attractive, as, as smooth and all that stuff. So I really do believe that, you know, the big thing that, that does hurt people is when you're giving a presentation, but it's there are a bunch of strangers in the room. 
you are not comfortable because you, you do not know these people. I sincerely believe if you're in a room full of people who are either your friends or, or close friends, people who you do communicate with regularly, that at least those levels of, of, oh, this person doesn't know who I am, they're a stranger, I better give my best top-notch performance, I do believe that that'll be lower. So what's an easy way to do that in class? Super easy, just talk to people. Get to know them. Before you have any presentation, any big th thing coming up, talk to them, get to know them. Hey, I'm Daniel, what's your name? Oh, dope. what do you like doing for fun? As soon as you break that little bit of a barrier, it's like, oh, that isn't a stranger sitting there in the second row. That's my friend, Tim. Tim, who likes to play hockey. Then you start breaking it down, right? And then you can get past this idea of, oh, first impressions, it has to be smooth, it has to be perfect. And then it can become a little bit easier on you when you're up there to try to drown out those negative thoughts and just do what you do best. Now, my friends, on this topic of uh, presentations, you know, when we talk about being good at something or, or getting nervous at something, I've recently been looking at people who succeed in life. And when you notice individuals who are doing really, really good on, on different ways, right? I can talk about The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who's just, what is he, the highest paid actor in the world? I can talk about uh, a super high level, you know, athlete, Serena Williams or something. And I can also talk about a girl who might just be blowing up on a TikTok app. One thing that you'll notice, folks, is when somebody does extremely well for themselves, it's human being, it's nature. When they indirectly think about themselves and you start comparing yourself to other people and you go, wow, look at that person succeeding. Where am I? What am I doing? How is that 22-year-old a millionaire and I'm 19 and I'm here? How does that make you feel about yourself? And there's this huge, huge, huge idea, my friends, where... You know, when you look at someone succeeding, do you get jealous or do you get inspired? I'll be the first one to admit, and it pains me to say this from the bottom of my heart. It is an extremely hard thing to say. I used to get very jealous. I'll tell you how I know. And I wouldn't even say that in the past. I'd lie to myself. This is what I would do. Uh, for anyone who knows me, they know that I just got Instagram this year, like 2018. I had it way back when I deleted it. And whenever people ask, Daniel, why aren't you on Instagram? My number one reason would be, oh, I don't care what anyone else is doing. I do not, like, I do not care. I don't want to see it. The truth is, when I saw people, let's say on a Friday night, I'm staying home doing homework. And I see a good friend of mine who's out partying, having a great time. Instead of feeling happy for him and going, oh, like, dope, dude, good on you. That's awesome. That looks so much fun. I would feel this, this, man, this, this hit to my self-esteem as in, why am I not out there? Why is he out there? Why him not? You know, and just getting to that negative mindset. And, and I really, you know, got into this idea of now, which I'm so happy to say it's, you know, it's not social media that made me insecure. Social media only exposed me for who I really was. I was insecure. So it was just really taking a look in the mirror and going, hey, listen, I can't change my buddy going out or not. That is not in my control. But what I can change is my reaction to it. Why doesn't that inspire me? When I see my friend work his butt off and start succeeding in life, I can do two things. I can sit there and go, he doesn't deserve it. He's not worth the hype. This person isn't that. Or I can look at him and go, you know what? Man, good on you. I remember when you weren't doing anything, when you had nothing good going your way, but you had hard work and patience. People told you it wasn't going to go anywhere, but you kept going forward. And look at you now. I want to look at you as inspiration to do better for myself. Right? That's what you want. You want people around you who are doing well so they can motivate you to do better. I know for a fact, 100%, 
if there comes a time when a YouTube video of mine blows up and things start going really well, and I like to think that, that I'm friendly with everybody, there are for sure going to be people who go, hey man, he's not worth it. F this guy. He's not worth the hype. He's a fake. He's this and that, man. And, and a lot of it is just you can't take it personally because those are people who, who are in their own. They're just people in a bad place. And they're, they're people in a bad place and they're negative. And I can tell you that because I used to be that person. Even The Rock and Amazing Like Wale, he gets hate. And if he does, it's usually from people who are also big, muscular bodybuilders who are going, why am I not in the position that he is? Rather than looking at him as a role model, as inspiration to strive further. One of the greatest quotes I have heard this year, hands down, was by a gentleman by the name of Kevin Hart. I think I've already said this once in my videos, but I, I love it this damn much. He goes, I'm, and I'm paraphrasing now, something along the lines of, you know, I don't want to be you. If you're my friend, and if you're killing it, I mean you're freaking killing it, I don't want to be you, nor do I want to beat you, but I look at you as an inspiration for what I can achieve. I look at you, I clap, and I sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, pat you on the back, and I say I am proud to be your friend. And I am inspired, looking at who you were and what you've turned into. Good on you. And I think to myself, wow, that is an incredible work ethic. You know, maybe I should work on my work ethic. And all of a sudden, when you develop that healthy sort of positive mindset, my God, does the world get brighter. When you realize that when you see someone, you know, uh, I went to the beach the other day with a, with a friend of mine. And I remember there was this guy who was super buff, super fit. And my friend immediately goes, screw that guy. And I said, why? And he said it kind of as a joke. He said, yeah, forget that guy, him and his muscles, and he's all jacked. And, oh, you know, I'm a fit bodybuilder with my six-pack. And actually, I said, you know what? I love seeing guys like that. Now, let me, let me further explain. Because when I see a guy who's super fit, in my opinion, who's good and muscular and upper body's worked out and whatever, I think to myself, I immediately think, wow, man, good on you. I can only imagine the hours upon hours of training you must have put in to develop that. And that makes me hungry. That builds curiosity. That makes me go, oh, when was the last time I worked out? Maybe I should start working out. Because if, my friends, if I only saw people who were my shape or less healthy, less fit than I was, however you want to term that, however you want to classify that, I think, wow, I'm an amazing 10 out of 10 shape. Right? But the moment you start seeing other people who aren't really fit, I mean, they are in good conditions. We're talking marathon runners and bodybuilders and, and legit martial artists and athletes. You start, it, it takes you away from this idea of delusion and, and it reminds you to go, oh, like I'm here. I'm right in the middle. Sure, I'm, I'm above all, all these people, but I'm, I'm way behind all these people. And I don't mean to classify or say this is better than that and that's unhealthy and this is healthy, but I really just mean for context. Right? Seeing someone doing better than you and being like, oh, F that thing. I don't want to see it. As opposed to seeing that and going, whoa, that is sick, man. Good on you. And, and you know, it really takes a little bit of um, accountability and responsibility. Because the moment when you go, look at what he has, I don't have it. There are two things. One, you say, I don't want to see it. Because if I see it, I'll be reminded that I don't have it. Whereas the other mindset is going, I'm seeing it. It's reminded that I don't have it. But instead of whining and moaning and, and looking away... Let me go after it. Right? So on one hand, you're jealous. On one hand, you're inspired. But nine times out of ten, my friends, the jealousy is this involuntary emotional response. It's We don't mean to do it on purpose, but you're just in the moment and boom, it just fires off. And it's it really just 
takes practice. It takes conscious awareness. One of the reasons why I love videos like this is you just need someone. And the, the way that this came to me, don't think I just wake, woke up one day and thought of this. No, 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 no. I was much like yourself watching a YouTube video, listening to a podcast, watching a seminar where someone said these words. They formulated them in a certain way and it just clicked through. And I thought, whoa. All you have to do, the first step to doing anything, my friends, is you have to be consciously aware. If you are aware that there's a difference between jealousy and inspiration, when you see someone who has something that you want or is doing better in life than you are, and you're conscious of those two, you can pick which one you want to feel. I swear to God, immediately when you start feeling jealous, go, okay, how can I look at this guy's inspiration? How can I look at this guy as a role model? You know, I've seen, I'm not going to lie, I've seen tons of guys in, in great shape. And I've seen them, well, that guy's in amazing shape. And guess what I did? Instead of walking away, I went over to them. I said, hey, man, I just want to let you know, I think you're in amazing shape. What, what do you do? Right? And then when you have that sort of mindset, it is so much healthier, my friends. Holy smokes. And I, I sincerely say that from a place of being in that negative, jealous state and just thinking, you know, everyone's trying to show off. Everyone's trying to glow everyone's here for the club i don't want to see it not realizing that it was me with the insecurities not social media not brad posting his photos but it was me so if you think about anything my friends think about jealousy think about inspiration and really i want you to catch yourself when you see someone who has something that you admire go what is your reaction do you react positively or negatively and why call yourself out immediately go whoa why am i feeling this way why am I feeling animosity to the, towards the stranger that I don't even know? Because he's doing something good for himself that I wish I was doing for myself. And the reason why I love these conversations, my friends, is, is, you know, a lot of the times, I've said this before, you're going to hear me repeating myself, but it's because I truly believe what I'm saying. I will never come on here and start speaking about something that I am not comfortable with saying. And if I say it, it is because I believe it to a freaking T. And as always, I trust in you that if you disagree, if you think differently, if you think I'm missing something, you are going to DM me. You're going to email me. Get out to me. Hey, Daniel, I heard what you said. Some of you guys have already been doing it, and I really appreciate it. I disagree, man. I think it's like this. Or, Daniel, I think it's great, but have you thought about this? So that's why I put it all out here. One of the most fascinating things I've heard in the last couple of years, and one thing that I really um, lean towards psychology, lean towards this idea of personality traits one of my more popular videos how to get a, how to gain any personality trait came from this theory of the James Lang theory and the James Lang theory in essence was for many psychologists it's there's a stimulus something happens you see a snake your body tenses up and when your body tenses up it sends a signal to your brain that releases the hormone of fear causing you to run away they're saying Daniel why is that important you got to understand in that video of when I said how to gain any personality trait, which I'm, I'm going to overlap just a tiny bit here, it was basically this idea of, okay, if you want to be confident, if you understand the idea that your brain sends hormones to make you feel a certain way, however, your body language can trigger said hormones, what I'm saying is the way that you carry yourself, literally, not figuratively, not a beautiful memoir, literally the way your body positioning goes, it triggers certain hormones. Guess what happens when you're up on stage and you close your body off and you keep your legs super close and you keep your chin down and your shoulders down. Guess what kind of hormones you trigger in your mind? Ones that lead towards anxiety, ones that lead toward you feeling sick. Now, I regularly watch uh, UFC, mixed martial arts and different martial art combats. And when you look at any of those guys, when they make their entrances, pay attention to how they walk. 
Just from, a, just from a behavioral standpoint, how they walk when they enter the ring or when they enter the cage, their shoulders are back, they're like lines ready to go to war. You never see them crunched up and, and slow and, and small and, and, a, and in a shell. Why? Because literally, my friends, from a biology aspect, from a psychology aspect, our body triggers certain hormones in our minds, in our brains, thus confirming how we should feel. So when I talked about that video, you know, you want to be confident, figure out who's confident, and literally, if you can, mimic their, their body language, right? If you go out, if you're standing somewhere, there was a study done, man. I'm, don't take this to, don't take this 100% because I want to have the reference and because I don't, I don't want you to believe everything that you hear. And this is good. You should always be skeptical. But it was something along the lines of these researchers had people stand with their legs a little bit farther apart and their hands on their hips for about three minutes before they had to go into a decision-making situation. And... The majority of the people, when they went into the decision-making situation, they felt a lot more confident. Now, this was also consciously because the body, they say, the researchers came to the conclusion that because the individuals had the hands on their hips, their chest was out, shoulders were back, indirectly they were releasing this hormone that was making them feel more confident. Thus, when they had to make a decision, they felt a lot better about said decision. Once again, I do not have the reference, so please take that with a grain of salt. Um, a, an example that I did hear, though, was on the ever-so-wonderful Joe Rogan podcast, which everybody should check out. Mixed martial artist fighter George St. Pierre is on there, and he's talking about what he does right before a fight. And <clears throat> he was given this example. He said, right before I go out to any of my fights. And this is an amazing guy. I mean, we're talking a crazy record, like 26 wins, two losses, something around that realm. And he said, yeah, before my fights, I go into the bathroom, I close the door, I look into the mirror, and I start to, you know, indirectly hype myself up. I say, you're the strongest, you're the greatest. He makes himself look big and, and mean, tough guy face. And, you know, people might laugh at that and they may go, what are you doing? That doesn't make any sense. Whereas in reality, it makes tons of sense. Because what you do want to go before you go out there, you ever see those... Um, in movies or in, in like sports, you see that locker room talk. There's a leader, the captain, who's saying, are we going to win that championship ring or what? And it's this loudness. It's this confidence, brash, bold, shoulders are off, the hands are swinging, open, expressive body language. Honestly, my friends, when you start doing that, it does trigger those hormones that get released, thus uh, leading to you, what's the word? Your Mind, your brain confirms your behavior. So if you're acting big and strong, like you want to go tear the house down, your brain will release those hormones that will reaffirm that mood and actually make you feel like you're about to tear the freaking house down. And I think that is absolutely mind-boggling. Because as soon as you realize that, you can go into any situation just and being conscious of your body language. Imagine you go out on a first date. You want to come off as confident? Freaking... Have your body language do the talking first before your mouth. I'm going to say that again. Have your body language do the talking first before your mouth. Because if you just think to yourself, you know, I'm confident, I'm confident, but you're, you're in a shell and your, your shoulders are in and, and your chin is down. It's, man, conflict of interest, my friends. Your body's saying one thing while, while your mouth says another. I heard this interesting topic the other day, you know, about, uh, this is an old joke where people talk about the perfect pickup line. What can you say to your crush, to someone you're attracted to, to go soup them off your feet? Hey man, this sentence is perfect. You say this to any girl. The reality of it is, no matter how perfect your pickup line is, no matter how much alliteration and rhymes and poem, and you can paint a picture like Picasso all you want, but in reality, my friends, if your body language isn't there, if your delivery of the pickup line isn't there, no good, my friends. No good. 70% of it, 
I really do believe you go up to anyone, you're going up to a supervisor for a raise, you're going up to someone to get hired, you're going up to someone you're attracted to. It is just, you go up there and even if you feel in a neutral mood, the moment you bring back your shoulders, bring out your chest, lift up your chin and look ready to go, you look confident, it's going to make you feel confident. I never liked the saying fake it till you make it because the word fake just rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't like that. But there really is this idea of, you know, impersonate someone until you literally become them. Until you're not faking it anymore. So it's the difference between, you know, you're not telling yourself, uh, you know, I'm funny. You know, I'm funny. But then you're not. But, it, but it's your body language is actually doing the things that X person would do. So you're following through. You're not just thinking things, but you're really doing them. Uh, a clinical psychologist by the name of Dr. Peterson has this idea in his book that says something along the lines of chest out, shoulders back. And the biggest reason why you see individuals who are not confident, who are nervous, who are shy, who don't really want to be there, and you see this broken like body language, you see the shoulders are kind of folded in and, and, and they're slouching over. It's human nature, just like animals. The soft parts of our body that we want to protect, the crotch, groin area, the throat, the stomach, what do we do? We cover up as if there were punches coming in, as if we were going to get bitten by an animal. So naturally, when we open up the door to the world, we crouch down and we close ourselves off. As opposed to when you see someone like The Rock, Jason Statham, McConnell McGregor, whoever, they're open, their chest is up, shoulders are back. And if you're looking at those, those sensitive, those deadly areas where the kidneys are, the throat is, the rib cages, the crouch areas, everywhere is open. And it's almost like saying, bring it on, world. Bring on your challenges. I am here. I'm not crouched. I'm not in a shell. I'm open and I'm ready for whatever comes my way. So when you have that sort of a mindset, when you open up the door every day to go to work or to go to school and you have this expressive body language where your legs are a little bit wider, a great video on body language is also on my channel. You should totally check that out if you're interested. But it really revolves around this idea of if you open up the door and your legs are just a little bit wider, and your, your chest is high and your shoulders are back, it does absolute wonders for you. I swear to God. Even just, you're sitting down. Let's say you're waiting for someone. One thing I used to do in high school, I kid you not, I do it to this day, but I tone it down a little bit because some people will start laughing. But it was basically this idea of whenever you go into exam season, and I, I saw this this year as well, everybody looks like they're freaking on edge, man. And it's, if one thing makes me nervous, it's watching other people who are nervous. Everybody's biting their nails and losing their minds and faces are going red. Everyone looks like they're about to throw up. Nobody looks good. If they're smiling, it's a fake smile. It's, it, they, it is not good, man. Whereas what I've trained myself to do is I go sit down. And a lot of the times, I, I use this every single freaking time I go sit down. I have my test in front of me. First thing I'll do is spread my legs just a little bit because you're sitting down. And arms, good. Shoulder width apart. Nice straight out on the desk. Take the desk is yours. Don't just you know be little. Really, this is your desk. You take up arms on it. Chin up, shoulders back. Relax. If you want to go one step further, lean back. Hands back of the head for two to three minutes. Honestly, I would do that. I felt freaking amazing. I don't care who was looking at me, who was laughing, who was making snarky comments. Man, I did this. Ask ask my friends in high school. Lean back. Did this? Just relax. Okay, class, you may begin. When I took my hands off the back of my head, then I go into it. The anxiety levels were scary low. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was as if I wasn't doing an exam. That was worth 30% of my grade. So it really does work, ladies and gentlemen. Body language goes a long, long way.
So in anything, I hope that you can take away from this video, folks, or whether you're listening to this in podcast form, is this idea of your body language. Letting your body language do the work for you, whether you're going to a test, whether you're going for a date, for a job interview. And really, these are things that I've used myself and I have been positively benefited, 100%. Like, I would not be saying this if I hadn't done it myself. Practice what you preach. I'm curious, do you do any of this stuff? Or is it totally foreign to you? Are you like, this dude's totally nuts. He has no idea what he's talking about. Let me know, my friends. Hey, thank you so much for for watching this, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's the Daniel Teaches Experience podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. I thank you so much for joining me on my journey to self-awareness. I wish you the absolute best and take care of yourselves, my friends. Bye-bye.